I will make a nation of him also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder, along with the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she cast the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, Do not let me look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she, filled up her, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven, and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy, and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water, and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness, and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
Paul's letter to the Romans. Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be destroyed, and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is free from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Here with the Spirit the same to the church.
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer.
where Jesus called together the twelve disciples and sent them out with the following instructions. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. In today's passage, Jesus continues to prepare the disciples for their mission. But Jesus doesn't give them practical instructions. Do this, don't do that. Go here, don't go there. Instead, he speaks words of warning mixed with consolation. You will be maligned. Don't be afraid. Don't fear other people. Fear only God. You are of more value than many sparrows. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. One's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. It's easy to hear that and think, I'm glad I'm not one of those disciples. I'm glad it's them and not me. Because a lot of the time, we're just trying to get through the day. We've got a lot on our plate, and we can't imagine being sent out on a mission that invites the scorn of others. A mission that might turn family members against each other. A mission that means taking up a cross, whatever that means. And so we push it away, evade it, deflect it. But sooner or later, Jesus comes to us, or rather, Jesus comes back to us and says, as he said to the first disciples, Go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And so he sends us out on this mission to announce the good news, a mission that is costly, necessary, life-changing, and life-giving. If we can't evade the mission, we can at least ask how we are to carry it out. How do we announce the good news? What is it we're supposed to do? The best answer I found starts with a different question. Not what are we supposed to do, but how are we supposed to be? Here's what theologian and teacher Stanley Harwas has to say. He writes, Christianity is not a philosophy that can be learned separate from those who embody it. The way the gospel is known is by one person being for another person the story of Christ. Jesus summons the disciples to him, and they become for us the witnesses who make it possible for us to be messengers of the kingdom. The disciples are not impressive people, but then neither are we. Their mission, as well as our own, is not to call attention to ourselves, but to Jesus and the kingdom. There is much to reflect on in these words. There is freedom in these words. The first disciples were not impressive people. 
And so we don't have to do extraordinary things in order to share the good news. We just have to be our ordinary selves, living our ordinary lives. There is gratitude in these words. If Christianity is one person being for another person the story of Christ, that causes me to wonder, who has been Christ for me? And in asking that question, I have the chance to thank God for all those who have shown me Christ. There is clarity in these words. The mission to which Jesus calls us is not about us. It's about Jesus. It's that profound, and yet that simple. If what we're doing is about Jesus, then we're on the right track. By the way, that's also a path to sustainability. Jesus calls us to a mission that requires only ourselves, only what we have at hand. Jesus taught us to proclaim the good news that the kingdom of heaven has come near because we can be Christ for the person right in front of us, right beside us, right behind us. And in being Christ for them, in bringing heaven near to them, we find that heaven has come near to us.
is right in the good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. For you are the source of light and life. You made us in your image and called us to new life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ is God. Christ is Christ is We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Recalling his death, resurrection, and ascension, we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit. Be for your people the body and blood of your Son, the holy food and drink of new and unending life. 
salvation by sending forth their needs holy gifts, that those to whom we go may share with us in the communion of Christ's body and blood. Thank you.